Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Mir, founder of Mir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. All right, Tyler. I'm, ex- I'm excited for this one because it's yeah. enough of you and I talking. <laughs> and right. uh, I think that I think our you know our few loyal listeners like it better too when we bring on a guest. So today we got Chris Granger, who is a real estate attorney and investor, a client of Mir Group, and somebody who's just like I'm generally intrigued to learn more about his story. Um, if you've listened to the podcast enough, you'll hear I mentioned Quentin a lot. So this is one of Quentin's clients and a great client of ours who's doing some cool things. So wanted to bring Chris on to talk about real estate investing and just uh, give us some knowledge. So Chris, kind of give us your story, how you got into real estate and what you're up to. Yep, absolutely. So I'm uh, from St. Landry Parish, uh, Louisiana originally. Um, <clears throat> ended up going to law school with Quentin's wife, Rebecca. Um pretty much the reason I got through law school. Uh, shout out, Rebecca. Um, but uh, kind of always been intrigued by uh, real estate. Uh, got a job out of law school with uh, a firm here in Lafayette that did a lot of uh, real estate transactions, business litigation. So got to meet a lot of local bankers, investors, kind of learn what they were doing. Um, quickly learned the returns. Um, made sense to me. Uh, you know, they were sometimes a lot greater than a traditional investment account or a 401k retirement account. Um it's something tangible I could touch and feel. Um, I'm not very patient. It grows fast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that's kind of the things that intrigued me about it uh, to start. Yeah, so when you were getting, like, what kind of walk us through, like, your first property? Did you kind of talk about leverage? Did you, did you figure out a way to get the seller to finance the down payment? Did you have some cash stored away? Like, kind of give us how you got, what made what did you do on your first investment property? Yeah, so the first investment property uh, I bought when I was still in law school, was in my uh, last year of law school. Um, little house came up in the, the hometown where I uh, wanted to live. Uh, so we had uh, some stock in a local bank that we were able to leverage in lieu of a down payment because I was still in school living off of student loans, um, so didn't have a ton of money. So that's how we got the first one. Okay. Um, we lived in that one uh, for the first year, uh, finished law school, and like six months after that. So you had some like law school buddies paying you rent? Like, <laughs> is this you renting out to law no, school? No, no, no. This is just me uh, and uh, Megan. Gotcha. Yeah, lived in it um, okay. for like the first year. Year, and then we, we kind of bought our first family home and rented that one out. And that was the first rental uh, that we had. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. All right. So kind of getting started, like what would you tell? So obviously you're now, I think we before the podcast, we were talking, you're up to 100 plus properties. Correct. And that's been in what, 10 years? Oh, no, not even. So the first one was bought in 2013. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't until the last maybe three years that the major growth happened. So for a long time, I kind of floated around 15. Okay. And just for whatever reason, the opportunities weren't there. The lending wasn't there. My income wasn't there. Right. Uh, and then in the last three years, kind of everything came together. I figured it out and we've been able to grow pretty fast. So you and Megan are still living in each one, or just no, no, no. She ended that after the first one. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But hey, that's I've, that's not a bad way if you're looking yeah. to get in the game. I know that's a that story is a lot of people's story right. where they you know they get into one house and then they are able to just rent that one instead of having to sell it to yeah. move. And so. the rent off the first one actually paid our entire note and like a hundred bucks we netted for the mortgage and insurance on our second house, which yeah. is like our first family home. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would consider. So yeah, that's we were living mortgage free for a couple of years. Yeah, I think too, like, you know, when you talk about real estate and people doing it, I think sometimes you need kind of like what I call caveman math. Like, just that simple, like, if it brings in this and the expenses are this, like, you mm-hmm. don't overthink it. Right. And I think a lot of people, 
when they get their first home, kind of like to your point, Tyler, when they when the first home becomes a rental, it's because they kind of quickly figured out like, wait, okay, this this cost me seven hundred bucks a month. The market says it's worth twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. I know the taxes. I mean, I'm all in seven hundred with my escrow. Like, that's some pretty easy math. Yep. So I think I think one of the points I wanted to ask you about was like just keeping it simple. Like, would you say for you when you're looking at stuff, is that you kind of back of the envelope guy or how sophisticated are you when you're looking at deals? Yeah. So I pretty much have a formula in my head now of, of what I want with my net to be per house based on my purchase price or my invest, my, you know, all in cost. Um, and so, yeah, I usually can just do it. I got a loan calculator app on my phone. I can figure out my principal and interest. I'm pretty good at ballparking my insurance now because I know my market. I know about what these houses are going to run insurance and I just jump on the assessor's website to grab the taxes. Um, but it's, it's pretty close to the back of the envelope kind of math real quick. Yeah. And yep. so it's not like, um, I guess what I'm trying to get as, you know, for people wanting to get started, it's not that daunting no. if you can kind of get going, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah once you figure out kind of where your comfort level is and, and, and the way that I do it, it may be completely different than, you know, than the way the guy next to me does it. You know, what I think is a good deal and what I want my net to be and what makes sense for me and my, worth my time may be completely different. So you just got to figure out kind of where you want to be, what your net, what's your goal. Is it a cash flow goal or is it a long-term retirement goal or um, are you looking for appreciation? I mean, there's a million different things that you could be focused on that are going to dictate how you run those calculations. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the biggest differences from one house to over a hundred? I mean, what does, uh, that, what does that look like? Just the, the time. A big sigh. Time, just time. a big sigh. Yeah, yeah, big sigh. Yeah, no, <laughs> gather your thoughts, please. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a time sounds, thing. Sounds tiring. Yeah, yeah it's a time thing. Uh, I got a uh, you know a full time property manager and a full time maintenance guy that work for me that has relieved a lot of stress. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's, it's quite frankly, it's not that different than my law practice. It's just expectations. It's client expectations. It's tenant expectations. It's you know if you tell them you're going to do something, just do it. Uh, if you're good to your tenants, 99.9% of the time your tenants are good to you. Um, you're always going to hear the horror stories of what tenants are going to do to your houses and right. your properties. But if you're good to them, you give them a nice, clean house to live in. Most people want to live in a good, clean environment. And so they're not going to – not everyone just comes in and trashes everything. And uh, I think getting over that mental hurdle, that fear, and then just creating proper expectations is was kind of the hardest lesson to learn, I think. Yeah, what was um, yeah? As you're talking about like him signing, going from one to 100 properties, I'm thinking like some horror stories. Like everybody yeah. thinks about what it, every time I hear anybody say about rental properties, it, it inevitably goes back to, well, I don't want to get the call in the middle of the night to fix the toilet. Yep. Like mm-hmm. give some give some kind of like gravity to that. I mean, what's what's the worst case? What's some things you you know like if somebody's listening out here going, what the heck? Like I'm gonna get into this. Like this could happen to me, or kind of make it yep. dispel those myths. Yeah. So. I- Again, it goes back to expectations. So my clo- my toilet won't flush. Okay, is it overflowing in the house? Is it a major problem? Is it something that has to be dealt with right now at 1 o'clock in the morning? Or can I wait till 8 o'clock in the morning and call the plumber? Yeah. Just go through that conversation with them expectations, and then you're at work the next day at 8 o'clock in the morning anyway. That's part of your job. You give the plumber a call, and he goes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you do get those. Um but again, if you set the expectations properly with your your tenants, you talk them down. You're nice to them. You don't, you know. Yeah. You just treat them right. They're they're reasonable with but, you. But you actually follow through. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, you got you, people that are tell you what you want to hear. And, absolutely. Yeah. If you say you're gonna have a plumber there tomorrow morning, you make sure you got a plumber there tomorrow morning. And you know, going from one house to a hundred houses or over a hundred houses now, it's it's you know we've got a good network of, of plumbers, electricians, AC guys, maintenance men. That kind of if that one's busy, I can I got another one that I can call. And so that was building that network was probably harder than finding tenants, finding houses, finding money. It's building wow. the the that's a good point. maintenance. Yep. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so what is what does that back office look like? I mean, I know we talked a little bit earlier about when you're acquiring properties and things like that, there's some sometimes there's inefficiencies that you can maybe take advantage of as an investment. What what kind of efficiencies are you building in this in this operation? Yeah, so um, having a full-time property manager um, that can field the calls, field the maintenance and requests and all of that is kind of taking um, some of the pressure off of me to have to deal with that. So now I can focus on, you know, really learning my market, really learning what rent, you know, because, you know, uh, if you could bump all of your rents by $25 or $50 across 100 that's a huge increase. And so um, when we're looking at properties, you know, we look at the property itself, we look at how it was managed, we look at its current condition, its current tenants, um, and how much they're renting it for. Uh, and if you undervalue a, a, a property, um, you generally get a tenant that maybe isn't the best tenant uh, because they know you're undervaluing it. Um, and generally the undervalued properties aren't well maintained, they aren't well taken care of. And so those are the things that we look for. And then I'm a little biased, but I think my system's pretty good and we've been able to increase values um, through increased rents. Gotcha. Yep. So just taking care of the property, making yep. it attractive, people don't mind yep. paying a little bit more for it. Yeah, and a lot of people, so like when we buy properties, we try to invest, we probably maybe over-invest a little bit on the front end. So like we go in and make sure all the plumbing is good, electrical goods, put new roofs, paint them all, new flooring, make them really nice and clean. And then that reduces the capex that we have to spend on the back end for those two in the morning plumbing calls or right. toilet calls. It's, you know, those are, you know, few and far between now because we spend some money on the front end so that we don't have to kind of go through it. So were, you, were you always doing that? No, I, mean, uh, <laughs> no, I was not always doing that. I was kind of, uh, you know, buying the house, kind of getting it on the market as fast and cheap as possible. Um, and, it, you know, that works to, you know, some aspects, but then all of a sudden I'm getting $400 electric bill, $500 plumbing bill, this bill, that bill, and all of a sudden I'm a year down the road and I've, you know, spent 10000 on the house only collected 6500 in rent. Doesn't make sense if I would have just spent the ten thousand, been able to put it to the basis of the house versus just maintenance or expenses. Mm -hmm. It just makes more sense. Basis, yeah. our first accounting word. Yeah. Here we here we go. And we didn't uh, we didn't prime it for that. Yeah, I know. So let's <laughs> let's use that as a, a transition. Talk a little bit about. I mean, it sounds like you're talking to banks all the time. Yep. You know, you're doing your calculations. What does accounting look like in this kind of operation? So uh, traditionally, I was just like a QuickBooks Online, very. Uh, we all say we don't. We don't say I know, I know, it's taboo. I know, yeah. I know, but gotta give you where I started to, you know. It's part uh, of the story, right? Yep. So um, Quentin kind of always get on me all the time about it, but uh, everything's got to be paper. Everything's got to be printed. I got files and folders for everything. Uh, very kind of old school mentality of doing it. Uh, very inefficient. Uh, I'd lose stuff. Uh, Do you think that's influenced by your law background? I feel like that's like a, yeah, law, a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also, I don't know why, I just got this like touch it, feel it kind of personality, which yeah. is I think why I don't like traditional investment type things yeah. is, you know, the house I can drive by and I can see it, I can touch it, I can feel it kind of thing. Yeah, uh, It's a tangible thing that I own, whereas while an account is a, maybe a tangible thing, it's just numbers on a page. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where kind of where I was, and then you know, uh, slowly and painfully, Quentin has convinced me to move to more uh, cloud-based accounting, and so now we're in zero uh, with a new uh, property management tool called Released, and been in zero for 
guess almost a year now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Releases newer, maybe a couple months in, but just uh, world of difference. Yeah. yeah. And this is something your staff uses mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Seen? My staff. So property manager uh, Casey uses it. Um, I'd say ninety percent of the time. Um, yep. Gotcha. And what was the buy-in like from your staff when you're, you know, because a lot of times, you know, this as the owner, you're going to push down a change, yep. but it's the change doesn't affect you as much. Yep. So what was it like before, kind of after for your staff now adopting these new technologies? It was actually a really easy transition. They, you know, they had kind of jumped on the efficiency, streamline, cloud-based train long before I did. And, you know, they had been hounding me to just make sense. You know, like we could pick up our phone, jump on the app, and I know to the dollars and cents where I'm at today yeah, you know awesome. uh whereas before you know you go to you go to quickbooks you log in but i didn't log all those transactions from a week ago so it's not really true and accurate data and so uh so yeah it was actually a really easy transition yeah, that's cool yep. yeah i guess at some point it gets to a point where i mean everybody in an organization can recognize like now there's a better way to yep. a better way to do this yeah. and so yeah and one of the i think when uh when we had quentin on we were talking about kind of released in that episode yeah but one of the things we talk about and i think you hit on this but i want to get you to kind of dive deeper on it is does your back office now the way you have it allow you to buy properties in a way that you see maybe opportunities that other people don't see because you can make them better knowing that you have the the system in the setup because like maybe you take somebody a portfolio of properties and you know they're not managing them as well as you can so is that something you're looking at going man we have the system to immediately raise rents by x and make the property more efficient if we buy them yeah absolutely uh and it also having real true numbers you like if i'm looking at a property in a specific neighborhood or specific area that i have other properties in i can quickly pull them and know that, you know, okay, I'm, you know, making, you know, X amount return on the properties in this neighborhood, so I can pay this much. Uh, and if the, this one's renting for, you know, $1,000 and they're only renting theirs for six fifty, I know there's a big gap there. So I got to, you know, there's some things I may have to do to get me up to there, but that's a huge jump. Right. Uh, and so having real numbers allows you to do that really quickly. And you say returns. Are you looking, just kind of getting the weeds a little bit, are you doing like, are you a cap rate guy? Are you a cash on cash? Like, what do you look, are you just a simple... Uh, Profit as a as a percentage of your rent, like what's kind of your what's your map? Yeah, that you're yeah. Looking so at? I don't I don't know if I kind of pigeonhole my, pigeonhole myself into any of those. I, I'm more of like I have this set number, this net that I need to make after a budget for principal and interest, uh, property taxes, insurance, and my capex. Okay. Um, and then I have a net number based on you know if I'm buying it from forty thousand to sixty thousand, my net has to be this to make sense. If I'm buying it for sixty five to eighty, it has you know so that's kind of my number and it's worked out well for me. Yeah. I think that's a great point because I do think, as we were saying earlier, people can overthink this stuff. If you just could, I mean, look, the best business owners I know do exactly what you just said. They're not running these, I mean, look, some do run these elaborate spreadsheets and that's great, but like a lot of people just kind of have a, okay, I, I know, I know what it takes. I know what I want to make. This makes sense to me. And I just do that over and over and over. So it sounds like that's kind of like what you're doing. Yeah, and keep it really simple. Like, I'm not a big math guy. I'm not, you know, not a spreadsheet guy. To this day, still don't know how to use Excel. But... (laughs) But, you know, so, like, just keep it simple. Um, it, it makes sense. It, it, you know, and it's easy for me to explain to a banker, you know. And so, yeah. like, the biggest part of this whole deal is getting money, 
you know, coming yeah. up with the, the, the capital to buy the properties. And so if you can't go and confidently explain the deal to your banker, so not only the, the deal, why it's a good deal, what do you think it'll appraise for, what do you think your capital investment is going to have to be, but how the return is going to work and how much you will have at the end of the day to, you know, to cover. Uh, yeah. If you can't confidently explain that in a simple way where your banker can understand, then they're going to shoot you down because they're not comfortable with it. Gotcha. And so it's learning, it's learning each bank's lending philosophies, learning each lender's loan, specific loan officer's lending philosophies, and then presenting the deal to them in a way that makes sense for their philosophy. Gotcha. And you've got to have a simple way to do it because you're having to kind of tweak it each, you know, with each lender. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd imagine cloud accounting could help. I mean, if you're able to pull your financials and kind of get the data you need. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I mean. When he said, I wasn't even thinking about that. When he's talking about, and I'm just, my head goes to probably what you're doing in a zero file. I'm, I'm pointing at Quentin like people can see me. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking about like in terms of building reports on neighborhoods or the, the customizable aspect you can do in zero where you could say, okay, I know in this let's just say this city, I can build a report that says, here's all my properties in this city. There's a column for each one. If you've got access to that custom report, kind of to your point where you go, a guy selling the portfolio of properties and they're all at 600, they should be at nine. Yep. You quickly can see that at the, you know, yeah. So I, I definitely could see how that would be um, beneficial for sure. Yep. And it's just, you know, having, having the, the, the technology in place and then having the proper staff in place so that like I'm notorious for buying properties and then I got my little folder from the bank and whatever and it sits there and it takes me weeks before I send it to Quentin or get, get somebody <laughs> to put it in uh, but like having the, the system that we have in place now it happens almost as it takes like I come back from the closing give the documents you know hopefully they're uploaded they're put in there as an asset and then we immediately start tracking because what I was doing was I was you know I'd buy a property immediately start my rehab on it maybe it takes me a few weeks to get it into my accounting software uh and then I'm having to go back and try to remember to the best of my knowledge what all those Home Depot charges were. What were the Doug Ashes? Yeah. You know, what, where, where were those expenses? Because, you know, we may have three or four per houses going on at a time. Yeah. Whereas if we just put them in there immediately and Case is able to track them from jump, it, it just gives you a more accurate report. Now, are y'all using, quick aside, the Zero app to kind of snap that and take pictures? Quentin's nodding, so yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, coincidentally, uh, we went and uh, I went and drove some properties this morning um, to try to line up my maintenance guys and my rehab guys. Uh, and where you know, with this release app, you're able to like actually take pictures of your properties and load them in there. Um, That's awesome. In case, like, you know, like because sometimes some banks ask for they want to see. Okay, you said you were going to put a new roof on the house. Show me what the roof was before. Show me what the roof was after. Yeah. And I don't even have to like go drive out there. You know, we get them when we first go look at the properties. Man, that's awesome dude like i just keep thinking of everywhere like what gets me excited for you is it feels like everywhere you're building a portfolio and it seems like it's taking you less time on each property because you just got the back office set up absolutely which is also then making you more efficient to buy properties and and maybe pick off deals that you might other not otherwise have done so like it seems like you're like you're poised to keep this thing going yeah that's the that's the goal that's the yeah, hope you no know, 401k no no 401k <laughs> no no everything uh everything's you know kind of invested in real estate that's kind of maybe put all my eggs in one basket but i you know i just trust it i understand well, it. you've got I over 100 it. baskets you know uh, over yeah. 100 baskets <laughs> right. yeah. so uh you Good know point. and if you know once you learn your your numbers you can kind of spread your risk out um right. which i feel like was what we've done yeah yeah awesome. now real estate's great for a lot of those reasons i mean all the all the things you just mentioned. Well, so. I mean, it's the one investment I tell a lot of clients. It's just like there's not many investments where you can have cash flow, 
minimal or no tax yep. and appreciation. Like you combine those three things are powerful because a lot of people are earning their money in places that are taxed heavily. And then if it's a wage, you've got a payroll tax on it. Mm-hmm. So real estate, like you and I both know a few guys that they've made some serious wealth in real estates because they almost have like competing against them in certain aspects. You got one hand time behind your back because certain taxes are getting you as a, as an employee of a business or, you know, self-employment tax with the real estate game. You've got some interesting ways to make some money where you build some, some really great net worth and on paper doesn't look like you're making that much money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's also been great. So like through our real estate company, uh, you know, there's all those tax benefits, the write-offs, the, you know, it's, it's low tax type thing. And that helps offset a lot of my self-employment income, you know, so there's, I mean, there's more than one benefit to than just, you know, I made a couple hundred bucks on this house. It appreciated and it, you know, looks good on a balance sheet. Yep. You know, there's some, some kind of some hidden value. Yeah. In there too. Yeah. I remember trying to explain it to my wife for the first time when I was like, cause it, it, it can't sound risky. Like when you yeah. get first get into, to it and I was just like and this was, was something that was told to me it was like we could it could cost us $30 a month to own a rent house <laughs> and it would still be an advantage yeah, because yeah. of the offset in our taxes and the equity that we're building and it was like whenever I realized it was like okay I'm paying whatever for like Netflix like if I could even if even worst case scenario, which I think would be hard to do, where you have to pay to own a, a rental property, yeah. um, you're still you're still in a, in an advantage yeah, uh, at the end as, of the year. As so, long as somebody's paying the interest, honestly, when you break down your in, your you know when you break down your your cash flow and you look at what you're paying on the note, as long as the 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 rent covers all the expenses and the interest. Yep. To that extent, somebody's paying back the principal for you. If you mm-hmm. have to contribute a little bit, all you're doing is a return of capital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to your point, if you're not cash flowing but yeah. you're losing hundred bucks, which might be the worst case scenario, you're still not you're you're not really losing. Yeah, yeah. but it was that extreme example yeah. that was just like it kind of jolted me out of this like, yeah, what am I? I need to get in on this. Yeah. yeah, when I explain it to people all the time, it's like you know I'm building this portfolio that's worth X amount of dollars, and I'm not it's not costing me anything. I'm having tenants that are paying that they're buying it for me. Yeah. it just makes so much sense. It's, it's it's the only asset class that I that I know of in the world where it does it doesn't cost me anything. You know, I'm having tenants pay it back for me. Yeah. So I got a question yep. as somebody, I mean, you're, you're on a growth trajectory. Like there's a lot of speculation about real estate. It's one of the things everybody loves to you know, speculate about. I, I, what are your thoughts on like more and more small rental, like more and more, I guess best way to say it, mom and pop rental portfolios popping up. I see that as like a trend where like kind of the same way, like, yeah, if you have a good job, you have a four hundred one k. I'm almost seeing it's like, yeah, you have a good job, you have a couple rentals. Yeah, you know, I know like, a lot of people are, like that. Are, are you seeing that, like, as well? And yeah, and feel like that's the future, or yeah. So I'm seeing it both kind of in in the real estate investment side and in uh, you know our, the, the real estate attorney side. You know, when we're doing a lot of closings, it's, it's a lot of people are investing in that, uh, and it makes me excited to see. It just makes sense, you know, uh, a wealthier, more educated. Uh, you know, our financially educated population makes for a better economy. It just makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's really exciting to see. But I would agree that, um, and it, maybe it's just our market. Maybe it's something specific to our market. Maybe in larger cities, it's still kind of the big apartment complexes, you know, big national companies that own it. But uh, in Acadiana, I feel like we're very much a mom and pop type rental portfolio community. Yeah. But it's interesting too, like like you're saying, I, 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 to your point, I've seen a lot of people where it's almost like, 
the people who are, are a little more nervous to do real estate or the people who are the kind of white collar? Like a lot of people you see that are willing to kind of do th- or things, people that think a little bit differently. Maybe maybe th- their job doesn't, you know, they, they look at this like as a way to generate a lot more wealth, whereas people who have 401ks and stuff. Yeah. Maybe, no, I've kind of seen that mix of people. Like some people that I know that have the biggest real estate portfolios are definitely not people who went to school to be a doctor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're, they're kind of the street smart, kind of savvy person. So I yeah. definitely think it attracts yeah. uh, some people who can do a little bit on the side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Anything else you'd want to leave us with for the uh, for somebody who either want to first dabble in real estate or is, uh, I just think, I mean, there's so much parallels between what you've done and just taking on and growing a business with any other small business. Any Any advice for the the small business owner out there, whether real estate or not? Yeah, uh, it's, I think just take the jump. You know, uh, always bet on yourself. Uh, I'm a firm, firm believer in that. Um, you know, no one knows what you can do better than yourself. Um, so just always, always, always bet on yourself. Um, and just take the jump. It's, you know, I tell Quentin this all the time, but it's just money. You know, you're going to make <laughs> some more tomorrow. Yeah. So just, you know, don't be, you know, don't be afraid of it uh, and leverage. That's almost like the segue for part two. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even talk about leverage and using the bank's money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but we I might have we to might have a part two. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you this like, as he was, even as he's talking, and like, I don't own that much real estate, I have a couple of rental properties. And I'm like, I need to be buying more real estate, dude. Like, yeah, when, like should, as much right. as I know about this, and you said it's not costing me anything, I'm like, he's freaking right. You know, yeah. like, yeah. he's not, not costing me anything. All right, Quentin, we got to build the portfolios here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're all motivated now. We're all motivated. All right. (laughs) Chris will be closing a deal with you next month. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy in the metaverse. Is that a a, a good idea? Oh, God. All right. Well, well, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, so dude. much good information. I'm really, really glad you uh, you joined us uh, for the podcast. And as always, if you want to get in touch with uh, Marcus and the Mirror Group, go to mirror.group and you can find out all the other resources there, previous podcasts and different ways to get started and get in touch. And if you enjoyed this episode, um, yeah, give us a little review. Let us know what you liked about it. Share the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, until next time. Yep. See you next time.